0: Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears, ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned to the MC Lars Podcast. It is Monday, March 30th. This is episode 83 with Ben Garby of the former Fat Boys, brought to you by the following generous Patreon Larsons. Shout out to the new ones who just signed up, Adam Brindle, Amanda, and Graham Eberhardt. And shout out to the old ones, Thomas Piucic, Alex Perkins, and Dylan Bertolo. Thank you very much, y'all. Keeping it going, I appreciate everyone signing up. Um, a lot of artists are in the same boat, you know. Some of our income comes from shows. I was lucky that my tour was over before all this happened, but I have missed at least one show, and some stuff is being rescheduled. And um, you know, I appreciate the support, and I appreciate y'all supporting the community. That's all I'll say about that. This Friday at three o'clock Eastern noon. West Coast time. I'm doing a stage it concert with uh, guitar, projection videos behind me, green screen, rapping. It's going to be tight. It's going to be donate what you want. And it's going to be the live to your home MC Lars experience. You don't even have to leave the house because you can't leave the house (laughs) because we're all quarantined, practicing social distancing. But uh, I'm socially resisting with this concert to bring music to you. So be sure to check that out. I'll be posting about it on the social media. I've been playing Animal Crossing and my native fruit is peaches. People are asking me and I realized Nintendo only lets you add so many friends. So I started adding everyone I know and I reached my friend limit. So if you sent me a friend request on switch and I didn't add you, it's because I maxed out. I don't know. It's kind of, it's like Facebook. You can only have 5,000 friends like Nintendo switch. You can only have like a hundred friends or something. But I love you all and I want to connect with you on Nintendo. So maybe we can petition for Nintendo to allow more friends because friendship is tight. This week, I'm talking to Ben Garby of the former Fat Boys. Now, this is a dude I've known forever. We met online years ago, but his house and his scene and his studio in Chicago has been a hub of Nerdcore touring and performance and production in the Midwest for like 14 years. And he's had a bunch of different names, Senior Dinosaur, I Wish It Were a Dinosaur, former Fat Boys, Ben Garby. Um, In this episode, we talk about his forays into Nerdcore, the time he toured with MC Chris, the time... He was uh, had a show that was going to be on MTV about him starting his nerd rap career. We talk about all the memories of old Nerdapaloozas, and we go deep on Star Wars and like where he feels like the new Star Wars movies jump the shark. So it's a really cool interview. I love Ben Garby. He's a great friend. He was at my wedding. He is one of my favorite people, so it was fun to talk to him. We went and saw the Sonic the Hedgehog movie and then recorded the podcast the day before we played our show in Chicago, which was awesome. As always, ladies and gentlemen, now it's time for the MC, the MC Lars, Lars, Patreon, Patreon Larson of, the, of week. the week. That's what's up. This week, we got Alex Reeves in Missouri. Take it away, Alex.
1: Hey, Lars and fellow Lars. Hope everyone's doing well. I know things are kind of uncertain and weird right now, but hope everyone's staying safe and healthy. Uh, I've just got a few quick little stories to tell. The first one was the first time I actually got to see Lars. I think this was back in 2011. First show I got to catch of his. He was touring with MC Chris and Megaran and Adam Warrock. It was kind of a, a who's who of the nerdcore scene at the time, which was fantastic. Uh, they were doing a show in, uh, at Mojo's in Columbia, Missouri. And I'll never forget, me and my buddy Nick drove from St. Louis, Missouri down to Columbia to, to catch that show, which of, of course was a fantastic time. Burger remember Lars was rocking the set with a, with a full, ba- like a backing band, which was awesome. Uh, I remember talking to him after the show, and I, I think at that time he was, he had just released the Lars Attacks album, and he was talking about how, how proud he was of the album, how happy he was with how it turned out. I remember buying a copy and listening to it on the way home, and that was my first time getting to really experience this music before, much less in a live setting. Um, and I'll, of course the show was something, some, it was something like a Thursday night, so of course we had work in the next morning. I think by the time we got back home, I think it was probably like, I don't know, maybe 2 or 3 a.m., so. Having to get up just a few hours later for work, but it was, it was very much worthwhile. And then the second time I saw him, like maybe a year or two later, he was touring, MC Lars was touring with uh, I Fight Dragons and I think Sky Fox. And uh, he actually came to St. Louis for the show. And I'll never forget there was a few local punk bands that also helped to open the show. And as a result, the, the show, the audience very much had a very like a punk rock uh, centric kind of, kind of audience to it, kind of feel to it. And, and MC Lars had no problem bridging that gap. I, you could kind of tell when he took the stage, and he was plugging in his laptop, you could tell some of the audience members were maybe a little bit skeptical, like what's this guy doing? You know, what, what about who's the next opener? And when he started the set, you could tell that maybe there was a little bit of hesitation there, but like people were starting to become, starting to warm up to it. And by the end of his set, you could tell he had won the whole audience over. Everyone is loving it. Everyone was vibing. And that, that to me is like the sign of, of, a, real, of a real talent, the ability to, to just sway the crowd and win them over like that. I, I think it was fantastic. I know things are a little bit weird right now and a little bit uncertain, but once things clear up and once stars is able to get back on the road, I uh, couldn't, I, I can't recommend it enough. Make sure to catch him live because it is truly a, a worthwhile experience. So thank you for doing this, Lars. Hope you guys stay safe and healthy and uh, take care, buddy. Love you guys. Bye bye.
0: Man, Alex. That show with Chris was so great. And the show with I Fight Dragons and Skyfox was great too. Thank you for coming to both. I hope we're back in Missouri soon. We always love playing St. Louis. And uh, thank you for calling in. I mailed you your shirt. You'll get it shortly. If you want to be on the MC Lars podcast to share a story or a memory or a favorite song, you can sign up at patreon.com slash MC Lars. Then I'll give you the proprietary phone number and you could call in and get... A special shout out and a free shirt um i wanted to announce that the dewey decibel system uh instrumentals and the zombie dinosaur instrumentals will be on spotify soon so be sure to check that out i wanted to add that as bonus content as everyone is home chilling relaxing i hope you're all getting better and hopefully this thing will be over soon but it's very it's very It's just scary, and it's taking a very long time to get through, and yeah, I'm just thinking about you all. I love you all, and thank you for your support and listening. Let's get into it. This is my interview with Ben Garby of the Former Fat Boys. (music) Ladies and gentlemen... I'm here with a man, he lives in Chicago, he does a lot of projects. You may know him as Ben Garby, you may know him as I Wish I Were a Dinosaur, you may know him as former Fat Boys, you may also know him as a dinosaur. What's up, Ben Garby? How you doing, Lars? How long have I known you? Oh man, we met, when did MySpace go out of business? We met on MySpace. Because former Fat Boys, what were some of the early tracks that may have been hip to?
2: Uh, slumber Party... So what's up? Um, ho touchdown. <laughs> what's that about? Football? Yeah, it's about scoring. Oh my god. My buddy gosh. one day nope. was like, he he was down at the, we, we had to figure out ways to talk about stuff in front of my grandma on spring break down at her like very conservative place in Florida. And he was like, yo, I got a way to say that we hooked up with a hot girl. And I was like, how? And he goes, ho touchdown. I right. was like, you <laughs> scored. What did and your grandma say? She thought that was lovely. She was she was dense when she had to be, but she was a very smart woman.
0: Um, where in Florida did your grandma live? Uh, she lived in Naples. That's what's up. Yep. Naples, which is down kind of near uh, Fort Myers, south of Fort Myers. A little south of Fort Myers, yeah. I did a show On the there Gulf Coast. with Mega Ran recently. Raheem? Fort Myers. You know all the Nerdcore guys. You Shout out to You worked with most Raheem. of us. Shout out to Raheem. Shout out to Frontalot. Let's name some of the Nerdcore rappers you've recorded with. MC Chris's original DJ, DJ John. You worked with him. Yep. Whitey Cracker. Yes. K-Flay. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Beefy. Yep. Shaver of the Dark Lord. I've never recorded with him, but
2: he's he's slept on things that I own. Okay. Um,
0: but no one's been sleeping on your music. How about uh, Adam Warrock? Uh,
2: no, we we talked about doing a track um, before he sort of retired or whatever.
0: Well, you're so. Well, how about you just name some of the other artists you've worked with?
2: Um, Insane Ian? Mus- no. Um, Mustin has done some beats for me. Uh, Elijah Lucian up in Canada, uh, Hardcorey is kind of like my muse, if I could work with anybody, just always,
0: he's like my favorite. Yeah, he's tight. Like, we we did a song on your new album, Nerdvana, called "Grito Shot First. Yep. Um, wasn't Richie Branson on that?
2: No, Richie Branson is on a song that was on the uh, I Wish I Were a Dinosaur album called I Wish Dude, and it's called Eating Pizza, Hunting for Ghosts, and it's one of my favorite tracks That's a ever. great song.
0: Yeah, so you've done a lot of stuff. You've had many different projects, and but you are smart enough to make your money not from nerd rap. <laughs> you make a percentage of your income from it, but yeah, you have other sources of income. Yes, I, I make videos for a living for corporations and stuff.
2: Like for instance, um, I they most of them it's they're pretty confidential. Um, but Fair I've have done like uh, all kinds of corporate videos, wedding videos. Um, viral stuff, not for myself. I used to work for Playboy and so cut a lot of videos for liquor companies. And,
1: um,
0: so do you work? So how do do people come to you or do you work for a company that then like hooks, like connects you with these brands that you do projects for a
2: little bit of both? That's what's up. Well, actually like it's more, my company that I work for does more of that, but that's just cause it's like,
0: what's the company or is that secret? Yeah. It's secret. That's what's up. So, um, you, what did you major in in college?
2: Uh, I got a degree in entrepreneurship, oh, which was at the time was a fairly new business type of business degree that they were doing. Um, I actually, when I graduated and was looking for jobs, I had somebody at a very big company sit down and say, oh, I see you're in entrepreneurship. Uh, we don't need any entrepreneurs. We already have a business." And I was like, "Are are you the dumbest
0: human?" I, like when you were applying for jobs,
2: yeah, because I because people didn't understand it was you had an accounting degree you were an accountant or your finance degree you do finance. Right. Um, they didn't know what to do with me. So, right. um, I kind of went in a weird way and started doing videos cause I was making, uh, nerd music. And at that point I had just come out of college. I tried out for this MTV show. It's actually a really embarrassing story. Um, I tried out for this MTV show called the reality show and they cast me on the show. And so I spent the entire summer after college sort of creating this sort of fake little reality show. And the premise of the show was that uh, each contestant, they would film one or two episodes of your show and they would show little chunks of it over the season. And each episode people would vote on which show they wanted to keep going. And at the end of the year, if you won, your show got a whole season. So mm. um, I was pretty excited. Like I was pretty excited and they were, creating reality. So they were like, what concerts do you have you booked? I said, none. And they're like, well, we need to get some. What are you booked on any radio talk shows? And they're like, I said, no. And they booked me on B96 here in Chicago, which is the big hip hop station.
0: As former fat boys. As former fat boys. I didn't know any of this.
2: Yeah. So, um, it, it was surreal. They, the people were, you know, friends were calling me up and they're like, Hey, I saw you on MTV on this commercial for this reality show that's coming up. You were rapping in your, Booth covered in sleeping bags. Because I used to have this vocal booth that was made of PVC pipes and covered in sleeping bags. Yeah. Um. And <laughs> so I called up MC Chris and I said, "Hey, man, listen, I need a show between these dates and these dates, maybe a couple of them. And can I connect you with these MTV people?" And that you call
0: them what? You MySpace team? Well, I, so I
2: had done a show with MC Chris, a couple shows with MC Chris. So you just straight up called his cell phone. I think I emailed him. Okay. That's what's up. He had up. this manager, Paul, at the time. I think I might have talked to Paul. Yeah. Um, But I helped him get a show. I worked at the radio station in Champaign in college, which is where I first heard your stuff, because we got the CD single for Ahab. um, Or not Ahab, uh, Mr. Raven. Yeah. And I just went this, whoever this guy is, I got like- I love this. That's tight.
0: What was the college you went to? Champaign-Urbana? Is that it? Yeah, University of Illinois. Okay.
2: Um, And so I worked at WPGU, which is uh, a student run. Students ran the on-air, but adults ran the rest of the station. So it was a unique experience um, in radio. But I liked MC Chris. And so I helped his people book a show at the Canopy Club. And I promoted it like crazy. And they let me open for him. And that was the first concert I ever played sold-out show at the Canopy Club, which six 700 people. Wow. Which is not a good idea for your first show.
0: <laughs> but you, were, you used to say when well, you it would open for him, you'd sell out all your merchandise mm-hmm. fast.
2: Yeah, I thought, I, I played that first show and I thought, oh, okay, so you do $500 of merch in a night. That's normal. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> oh. Um, So So did this show air or no? So so
2: what happened was, so MC Chris was really cool. He let me open for him in Milwaukee and Chicago um, on that tour. And I played a sold out show at the Double Door here in Chicago, which is a legendary venue that just closed. You know, had everybody, I think Nirvana played their local age, like tons of cool people. So I got that experience from him and then played a show in Milwaukee. And at the show, after the show in Milwaukee, okay, so sorry, This is what,
0: 2003, 2004? 2005.
2: Okay. Summer of 2005. And so we, MTV was supposed to show up and film for like three days straight. And the day before they were supposed to come film, they were like, hey, we're not coming. We're not doing this. Mm. And. I was like, okay, what do I do about all the stuff you booked? Like the interview on B96 and all this other stuff. And they're like, do it.
0: <laughs> it was going to be, a, a, so it was going to be rally show about you as a rapper, internet rapper in Correct. Chicago.
2: Yeah, like doing my nerdcore thing and trying to make it bust through into the big leagues. And they were going to show my girlfriend and my parents. So my mom actually um, convinced my dad to rewatch. The, the only way she would agree to let MTV into our house was if he read the downstairs so he got that done for her
0: right. that's nice um what, what former fat boys is a reference because you used to be more what fat as a kid What's, correct I, yeah i
2: was a chunky kid growing up i got picked on beat up a lot kind of like you know the typical nerd story when did um, you become this buff beefcake uh i lost like 80 pounds my sophomore year of high school because i didn't want to play line in football anymore how'd you lose 80 pounds I just started running and I told my mom, I was like, look, mom, my lunch is, my lunch started off. It was a, one of those double sized bags of chips. So not the little sandwich bag size, but the double size and a sandwich, a liter of cola or whatever, sola, soda, a hostess fruit pie or other similar little Debbie type treat and like an apple. And I was like, mom, I want my lunch to be, uh, And a small apple juice, a sandwich, and a piece of fruit. That was it. And I started running and I stopped eating like
0: anything garbage. And I just lost like tons of weight. It's amazing that eating less and exercising, everyone talks about all these different kind of diets. But really that's the one that works. And it's like people compensate for – and I've done this in the past. When you're stressed or like trying to figure stuff out, eating more to try to – feel better oh yeah and I'm, that's and that's really the simplicity of it if you can orchestrate your life to eat less and exercise more you're gonna lose weight weight and it might take a minute but that's interesting
2: yeah i mean it's less than <laughs> less weight um i think the thing that's been interesting to me as i've tried to stay thin because i think once you've been fat it's very easy to get fat again right um and as my like life has gone on there have been different times where it's like things don't seem to work as well as they used to. So I found um, the slow carb diet and then tried like intermittent fast. What's the slow fast. carb diet? Basically, you cut, it's Tim Ferriss. It's from his book, uh, the, when do you do? The 40 hour work or the four day work week? Yeah, yeah. Four hour work week. Yeah, I've read that, yeah. So then he did this book called The Four Hour Body where he spent basically all the money he made on the four hour work week tweaking his body. And huh. he figured out this diet that's like, it's paleo light. You can eat, no dairy no sugar no carbs and once a week you have a cheat day and i put on like i got cube fat when i was working at playboy um because we just had all this free food and craft services and stuff and so then i like lost what 40. was the term cube fat cube fat that's where you're sitting in a cube at work oh, yeah. you're going out there's donuts there's yeah, yeah
0: and cube so fat and so you i remember you talking about intermittent fasting and this uh you have the cheat day thing. Like you sent me an email about that years
2: ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was like, inter- that. well, th- that was before intermittent fasting. And then intermittent fasting is what I've done now where it's like you try and eat during an eight-hour window during the day. Yeah. Um, and supposedly your body then has a full 16 hours to process your food. And I'm used to eating one meal a day now and I feel pretty darn good most days. That's good, man. So. Do you exercise too? Yeah, I've been doing Chris Hemsworth's workout app. It's called Center.
0: Yeah, that's the hard thing about touring is like when I'm home, I'm so disciplined. I have a routine, I'm good. Right. Then I'm on tour, I'm like, oh, you're so tired. You need like that thing that's gonna give you an hour of energy. It's often sugar, it's deep dish pizza or yeah. whatever. And it's like there's so much good food across the country and Taco like, Bell. All that flavor, dude. And so you gotta be you gotta be good. So for those listening at home, Ben Garvey's recommendations. I'm going to use them too and I like them too. Um you've always We can I can I finish one thing. Yeah, yeah. So so that um that MTV tour, oh, yeah, right? Sorry. Yeah.
2: So they canceled the they cancel the filming. Right. But they've still booked me on all these amazing things and what they've told these people is that there's going to be a, like TV cameras there. That's the hook to get them to let me come MTV do this cameras.
0: stuff. So what how they react when they weren't?
2: Uh the B96 canceled the interview cuz the like they're the big hip hop station. How'd they
0: know down. that there weren't going to be ca- cameras? I
2: well, I told them when I walked in, and they were like, "Yeah, okay, bye." <laughs> Why would you tell them? Well, they noticed there were no cameras there. Why do you have a friend come in with like a little camera? Because <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. I, you know, you're just embarrassed. You're, you're, your world. I spent the whole summer like thinking, "Holy cow, this is going to happen," right? And then it didn't happen, and the show got canceled, and um. It, and then I had to tell MC Chris, who was, you know, somebody that I was personally really close with. And um, he was really cool about it. He was just like, oh, okay. But you could, you could kind of tell like him as John and some, in his merch guy or whatever. They like believed it, but they were like, did you lie to us to just get on this show? And I just. Cause they were going to film
0: like he's opening for this guy. Then correct. Part of his yes. Set. Yeah.
2: And I felt terror. Like I felt just so
0: terrible. Whatever. Um, so they just, the, the series just didn't happen. But former Fat Boys did. When did you come up with that name? Um, Sophomore year in high school.
2: No, it was no, <laughs> it was 2001. Uh-huh. I was I was trying to be the lead singer in comedy bands, or and I also wrote like love songs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I kept signing up people to be in my band, and then I couldn't sing. I couldn't hit notes, but I thought I could, and I had this real ego about it, and I was kind of a jerk, and I regret some of that, but. At one point, I did this joke rap song, and people go, "Hey man, that was really good. You should do that." And so this other stuff. And what I was, was like, the song? What I was called "Going to the Zoo." Um, I hope it's not out there anywhere. It was really terrible, and I mean, like it just—it was terrible. It, it was nonsensical and just stupid, like fart jokes and stuff, right? About animals. But I did that and I did the song I'm a din- Dinosaurus Roar Roar for a contest on somethingawful.com. And yeah. people were like, hey, can you do that instead of singing because you can actually rap? And I was like, I hate rap. Mm. But then I got it. But then, that, then I said, okay, like, this might be the way that I get to tell a story or sing a song that people want to listen to. So I like, sat down and I listened to tons of Jay-Z, tons of Eminem. So you weren't ton- like
0: a huge hip-hop fan. It was kind of like no. an experimental novelty.
2: Yes. And then I but then I spent like a year or two basically like g- listening to, you know, I, I don't want to say actual rap, but mainstream hip hop. Actual rap. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. um I basically taught myself all their flows. And that was sort of like how I developed my own flow was mimicking theirs. And then I then you you kind of like you become this pastiche of um
0: their stuff. Yeah. And then Lonely Island happened. And then becoming a comedy rapper was an actual thing. Before yes. that, it was just like emulating the rappers we looked up to in a way to that was passable. Mm-hmm. Right? That was like the shift. So, you, But the cool thing about your projects I've always loved is your ridiculous, sometimes <laughs> purposefully offensive, creative videos. Like in the, your political ones, like your Chick-fil-A one where you're protesting their homophobia or shake your niss. That's another one. Yeah um you have a wonderful array of videos uh,
2: what is i love chicken and i love dick which we spelled dick d-i-k like their cows spelled chicken right um and we i I liked the concept on that because it was we did it right as chick-fil-a was kind of getting hammered for being just disgraceful towards gay people and we just
0: did you ever hear from them
2: I didn't. They were really friendly. We've basically filmed on Chick-fil-A property and they were so lovely about it. It was really, it
0: was. Well, you show, it's not like you had a film crew, right? Your camera. And And
2: we had a guy and a camera and five guys and we're all shoving chicken in each other's mouth (laughs) and wiping ranch dressing all over each other's faces. I don't know. They were
0: lovely about it. Um, And then, so, okay. So, former Fat Boys. did, Did the Fat Boys like that you call yourself former fat boys or do they care so <laughs> at one point
2: uh god what is the uh what are the names of the fat boys do you buffy do know? who
0: passed right Let's not cool modi uh print uh prince, prince prince d wait there's prince marky d prince marky cool d. rock Ski, and buff uh buffy passed buffy passed right so uh cool
2: sorry prince marky d one of them lost a ton of weight Um, might have been i think it was prince marky d he reached out to me on myspace (laughs) and said something like hey man it's really cool that you kind of like referenced us in the name of this and i sort of didn't i just we used to be fat so i was like oh the former fat boys
0: well i was (laughs) a former it should be formerly if you're grammatically correct right
2: yeah it just didn't i don't know like I I was not thinking of them when I picked the name, though I was like somewhat aware. aware I meant like that—that there was a hip hop thing there, but I felt like that was a very hip hop thing. You just kind of like build on what's already there. Lil Nas
0: X, yeah, for example, right,
2: (laughs) right, yeah, exactly. Like it's all just sort of like building on the culture that exists, right? Um, So he messaged me and he was like, "I like I'm now a former fat boy." And he's like, I—it's crazy that I found you on MySpace and whatever. And he's like, I lost all this weight. Your rap project's really cool, awesome. And I was like, wow.
0: And here's a free verse. No, well, I talked to him about doing a verse. Yeah, he did. What Devo and Devo tried to hire him for a verse, they never did. And then he threw Devo under the bus on social media. That was the whole thing. Yeah, There's so video he came that.
2: back to me a little while later, and he goes, oh, I talked to my label owner, Uncle Fatso, or whatever his label was called, and um, we're going to sue you for the name. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> Good like, thing the
0: MTV thing didn't
2: happen. <laughs> well, what the hell? You reach out to me on MySpace to tell me it's cool, and then a little while later when I don't buy a verse from you or anything, you just... Try and shake me down for the name.
0: And then what happened? Is that why you did Dinosaur Boys and he former He never dinosaur? did. Yeah. I mean, it's a parody, right?
2: I, kind it's of. not a parody of them. It's, it's three different words. I don't know. We're not, I, and I don't market myself. I don't pretend that we were formerly the Fat Boys. We are former <laughs> fat people. <laughs> we used to be fat. I don't know.
0: <laughs> what if you did Nirvana 2 or post-Nirvana? I mean, yeah, I guess in a way you can't.
2: I mean, I did, the Probably. new album is called Nerdvana and it's the, oh, right. it's a parody of the Nirvana smile um on it. And a lot of time went into changing the shape because Mark Jacobs got sued for borrowing that Nirvana oh, really? smile logo on a t-shirt. Now he didn't bother to change it at all. He just wrote an M and the J and the I's and basically kept everything else, Yeah, which is, um we, but I like, we redesigned the entire head. So it's not. It looks like it, but it's a different shape. It's a different right, drawing right, entirely, right. and the font is not quite the same. So we wanted to, like, really make sure it was a parody because they're litigious. Yeah. So I, I might have done Nir, Nirvana too
0: almost. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at now. Yeah, you have the It's Cool. And former, and the new album, I have a song with you, of mm-hmm. Shot First, which the video is going to come one day.
2: I think probably in the next month or two. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not that far away from being. We done. There's it two videos. Three there's, years ago,
0: four <laughs> well, years remember,
2: ago. They, well, I guess we have run it for people, but uh, there's a original, and then you're the, you're on the special edition, which is.
0: Oh wait, there's not a ver- it's the original. I'm not on.
2: You're not on the original. Is that out? Uh, that is out. They're both on the album.
0: No, no, but the video. No. Are you doing a video for the original?
2: Yeah, there's a video for both. The video for that is done. Uh, the video for yours is, it needs just like a little more
0: work. That's what's that. Well, you, you did an incredible video for us in 2015. With Brian from My Fight Dragons. Yeah. If I were a Jedi. We filmed it here. And that video is amazing. And I think it deserves a billion views. And uh, I wanted to thank you on the podcast for busting your booty and putting in a lot of favors and making a great video to promote that record.
2: That, that was just an amazing... I mean, there were so many... We,
0: we we bought a viola off of Amazon. <laughs> and then we returned it? <laughs> and returned it. That's man. the cool thing about Amazon Prime. If you need props for a video... No, oh.
2: no, that's not... We don't do
0: that. We didn't do it. I, that video got 20,000 views. That's not bad, man. It's not bad. I love that
2: video. I think that song's adorable. Yeah. I think the it's really cool because you you had fans play music like Correct. instruments on that. Correct.
0: That's what... There was a Kickstarter level where you could be on the record. That was neat. Yeah, it was cool. And Uh-oh. then we had the... Uh yeah, it's that video's special, and I remember the publicists we hired were like, "All right, here we go," and everyone was just like inundated with um, Star Wars content when the Force Awakens came out. Right, but whatever, it's all good. It was tight.
2: I thought it, I thought it was great. I liked we we didn't have the um, the stormtrooper folks.
0: Oh, that's a story. That is a great story. That's a story. Um. <laughs> So the 501 legions are like these people who dress up as stormtroopers and yeah. they will like come hang out at MC Chris shows or go, come on stage with Weird Al and they're all over the country. Well, they go the to ho-
2: they they're actually great. They go to hospitals and charity events. Um, I actually did so after we did this video, and I had known uh, this guy Rex in Chicago. Yeah, he hit me or he made he made a post on Facebook and said, "Hey, I'm looking for a someone to play Santa." And I was going to opening night of Thor Ragnarok and uh, saw that Facebook post, saw that it had been six days, and uh, I responded. I was like, hey, if I know this is tomorrow morning, but if you need somebody, I'll, I'd totally do it. To play Not, Santa. Yeah, to play Santa. at five, He said you had to be somewhere at 5 a.m. So I come out of Thor Ragnarok, like an 11 p.m. show. Uh-huh. And it's, you know, 1 a.m. And he's texted me and he said, yeah, if you can do it, we need a Santa. Be at the airport at 5 a.m. And I went, oh, what did I just agree to? Uh-huh. So I show up to O'Hare Airport at 5 a.m. walk-in.
0: Are you flying somewhere or are you just hanging out at the airport? No,
2: we're just hanging out at the airport. It's for Gary Sinise has a charity. Um, but basically what they do is every single year, it's like the Miracle Express, the Something Express. Um, I'm a total jerk for forgetting this. But it's, it's super cool. Gold Star families are families where uh, one of the family, one of the parents has been killed in action. Mm. And um, so it's for Gold Star families. They get to, Gary Sinise's charity flies them to some destination, Disney World or whatever, for a Christmas vacation. He partnered with American Airlines and they had the whole plane decorated and whatever. And so... They have a parade through the airport, and so what happened was I get to the airport. They put me in this amazing Santa costume. I didn't. Homeland Security didn't search me at all. <laughs> they go, "You're okay, Santa," and I went, "What? No, I'm literally in a costume with a fake belly, and you're just waving me through. I'm the guy you don't. I'm not flying anywhere, but you do not wave me
0: through. Pat me. They down. Go, Rudolph's waiting on the flight. I didn't show there. an ID. Nothing." <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile you probably did wear a big like suit yeah so i don't
2: really know what this is still at this point point. and i come in there's not a lot of people there and then slowly all these families start arriving with their kids and the kids start coming up to me and they're asking me what you know they what i what can i get them for or i'm asking them what oh what do you want for christmas because i'm in the role mm-hmm. and i'm a ho ho hoing ho
0: <laughs> you have to write it down how do the elves know? Uh, you know, they make a list. <laughs> you check it twice. All right. That's tight. So what's up with the 501s? Were there too? So yeah. So the all the
2: stormtroopers, there are kind of in like holiday versions of their costumes. With Santa. <laughs> with Santa. And then all the military bands show up. And all these <laughs> military people show up.
0: Imagine and people at 5 a.m. just trying <laughs> to get your flight. They're like, great. It was Santa. <laughs> it, it,
2: then I'm told that there's a parade through the airport to the gate
3: led family
2: led by Santa and all the kids. (laughs) So I, it hits me really, really hard, man. I've got all these kids that are like, their parent has died. I'm going to like tear up their parent has died. Like, I don't know, like the last year and they're looking at me as Santa so, like, I can't screw this. <laughs> like, if I screw this up at all, these kids, like, oh, it's way too much. So, I'm, yeah, like, tearing yeah. up, leading this parade through the airport. Everybody at every gate is clapping for these people. It's
0: five in the morning. Uh,
2: they walk. I walk all the kids onto the plane. I ho, ho, home, whatever. Then they take me down onto the tarmac <laughs> at the airport. And I, with Mrs. Claus, arm in arm, and we wave as the plane, like, They're all going passes. to one place? Yeah. Where? Uh, I think they were going down to Houston or something, or Texas. That year. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Just send them somewhere. <laughs> well, normally, it's really cool. I think that year it kind of sucked. I don't know. Last year, they literally went to Disney World last year. The something express. the uh, Polar? Not the no. Polar Express.
0: Shoot. Uh, that's okay. Yeah, the Snowball know. Express. The Snowball Express. I Googled it. Um, that's amazing. Okay, so, well, that's, yeah, and imagine, like, losing some of the wars of the past 20 years have been like of dubious <laughs> to say the least i yeah. mean that's tragic and all the ptsd and uh, yeah that's be- that's cool you did that man i think um so well that, that
2: was op- the door was for that for me to do that was open by meeting those stormtroopers on Our if i were a jedi
0: so so what happened was we hadn't for some reason i emailed them and for all summer like that was the year zombie dinosaur LP came out. So I was doing warp tour and like huge press campaign and all this stuff. We're emailing them all summer, no response for months. And then I'm um, yep. get to your house and like, well, we have a princess Leia. We have your friend, Nolten. Nolan, 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 a dancer. Yeah. We played Yoda. We have all this costumes we ordered and no stormtroopers. So I'm <laughs> like, well, let's just say, <laughs> so we email them, say, all right, the shoots tomorrow. Uh, uh, Call time is seven a.m. See you then. Thanks a lot. Yep. And we're like whatever.
3: As if they had
2: agreed to this, it was kind
0: of like a joke. I was kind of like a joke, like whatever. It's, who cared? Like yep. we just like, and then they're like, all we right, have nothing to lose at that point. <laughs> so then we hear back from them, like an hour <laughs> later. They're like, yeah, we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you just assume that's going to happen. and It does. Shout out to the Chicago Five Hundred Ones. They were awesome, and they brought all their equipment. And they did it for free.
2: They did it for free. Yeah. <laughs> No, and they were awesome. Uh, Adrian and Rex, they came out, and they – Oh, and Nolten played the other one because we had a Stormtrooper costume. So we had two Stormtroopers. Yeah, they were just amazing people. And then I got to meet all the rest of the 501 –
0: because they them. saw a post on Facebook or something, right? Yeah, because
2: I saw the post for that, go be Santa. so
0: Okay. I, and they made me
2: an honorary member. I have a patch over there. And I'm, I think, really kind of proud of it because they were just so fu- freaking cool.
0: So I swear you, on your podcast. You can. You don't like episodes seven, eight, or nine.
2: Not much, no.
0: But you love episodes four, five, and six.
2: I would say I love episodes four, five, and six and Rogue One.
0: And you have a gigantic Yoda thing that you stole from a the movie theater. <laughs>
2: It's like two stories of Yoda. Two-story
0: Yoda from episode si- two. Size. Picture this. It's, it says, size matters not,
2: <laughs> except on an IMAX screen. And then it's got Yoda with his lightsaber uh, basically standing over the, uh, a bunch of buildings from the United States.
0: He's 20 feet tall, basically. It's amazing, yeah. And
2: you can Google it. There are pictures of the, the design. This thing's
0: worth thousands. And you stole it from a movie theater when you were in college. Just it was rolled
2: up in the corner, and I walked out the front I walked down the long hallway, walked out the front door of the theater, put it on the roof of my friend's car, and we just drove off. But
0: you know what it was. You saw it at the bottom Lucas Lucasfilm, and then yep. you unwrapped
2: it in a park and you're like, Oh my gosh. Yep.
0: So well, that maybe you may, may didn't That or did story is actually
2: just for novelty purposes. It didn't it happen. Didn't happen.
0: <laughs> what where did the new Star Wars movies miss the mark, in your opinion? Um, and why didn't you like the solo movie?
2: Actually, well, so the solo movie has a different problem of the other ones. The Solo Solo movie just has prequel disease, which is that you try and explain stupid stuff that you don't have to explain. So So
0: you didn't like Captain Marvel? Uh that
2: one was I didn't mind Captain Marvel. I actually like Captain Marvel. I think th- so the issue with Solo is they did stuff like like Han Solo's character his entire character is that he's this smuggler, right? And he's very selfish at the start of Star Wars. And so One of the things that we joke at um, on our song, Greedo Shot First, is kind of about this. And so Han Solo was a drug runner. He was a spice smuggler in the original films who was just out to make money for himself. And this one of the worst things that Disney did, which is kind of like what Lucas did with making uh, Greedo shoot first, Uh is that they made Han no longer a spice smuggler. He was a fuel smuggler. Presumably, to make it more for kids,
0: because spice is like drugs. Spice
2: is heroin, like okay. historically, heroin from the east to the west was like spices. In, and,
0: in the Star Wars original,
2: no, I mean more like in the real world. And so George Lucas was riffing on that with Hans as like, a spice smuggler. spice smuggler, right? It was heroin-based okay. opium, okay, um like or space opium, right? Right. And so, you know, the big problem with. Greedo shooting first was that it undermined this character of Han that he was like selfish swashbuckler, didn't care, you know, rebel.
3: This, right, right, this
2: right. Disney further did that, further sort of whatever, cut his character off at the knees um, by changing him from a drug smuggler, which I just saw Rise of the Skywalker the other night, and they made Poe a spice smuggler. So why couldn't Han stay? There's no, there's no consistency. Disney did no consistency between them.
0: Um, okay, so that's the, Yeah, the song like we're, we're trolling We're taking the perspective that the prequel r- Reboot, recontextualization is correct And we're diss people who like The original Star Wars That's kind of the joke
2: Yeah, we're, we, so in the song we're basically celebrating The worst bits of s- Star Wars As if they're fantastic
0: And then you talk about how Kirchner's uh, Empire Strikes Back Is horrible It's terrible, it's one of the worst How could you argue it's <laughs> I was talking to a guy today on Reddit who was. You're being ironic, by the way. So just in case, just to be clear, correct.
2: Yeah, yeah. Empire Strikes Back is unequivocally the best Star Wars
0: film. No non-controversial statement has ever been brought up. With I was talking to this guy on Reddit today. I'm very <laughs> curious what you're going to say.
2: Oh, he was telling me about how Attack of the Clones was the best Star Wars movie, and it's generally regarded as like one of the two worst.
0: That's Episode three or two. Two. Yeah. Are you? Have you watched the Clone Wars much? Because there's so much there to like figure out
2: so i've been watching the i've been i'm in season one still and i've been i've been using one of the episode order guides that's uh-huh. on the internet um do you watch
0: the movie the animated movie that takes I place did, yeah. before with ahsoka
2: and stuff i yeah. i, I watched star wars rebels which is really fun it's kid show Is rebels
0: after it takes place after clone wars okay and then they're doing a new disney plus shout out to disney plus they're doing a new clone wars they
2: need that shout out
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're doing good um they, aren't you impressed by um mandalorian
2: i love the mandalorian i thought that was really good yeah um so i think so one of the things back to why i didn't like the sequel trilogy because i i talked about this um so we have our star wars song on the album but at the end of the album i did the title track which i actually had the album finished and then i kind of got the idea for a track called nerdvana which sort of talks about this situation we're in right now, which I think is a, kind of very precarious, is that nerd became the dominant culture right. in society. So we we all grew up kind of maligned and outsiders, and now we're the cool kids. Like, if you don't watch Star Wars, you're weird. That type of situation. And
0: every rapper became a nerdcore rapper.
2: That's co- true. You've got Will Smith's kid doing a song about Goku.
0: Um, Lil Nas X um rap the original old town road is is a um is a red dead redemption rap you yep. know like all that stuff and it's a dope it's dope because hip hop reflects like the zeitgeist of the fusion of culture and youth culture and so nirvana so Nirvana, you're t- tell me more about this song that's interesting
2: um so so yeah so on on the one hand that's awesome right we we won we we're there like we're in the winner's circle that's cool but then when you you look at some of the fallout from that. And so as the song goes on, it's first of all, it's like the first verse is kind of, I'm talking about, Hey, this is really cool. But also like, what do I do now? I have this line, like, what am I supposed to do? They're wearing my backpack, um, which is kind of talking about a line that says that. And it's kind of talking about like, Oh, well, if uh, Jaden Smith is writing a song about Goku, then like, what am I doing as a nerd rapper? That's unique and interesting. Cause he's covering that,
0: right? And the whole thing, in, and being in our late 30s, right? Yeah. Like, what, are, is it relevant to be rapping about 80s pop culture?
2: Exactly. Like, Probably
0: not. <laughs> no. <laughs> no.
2: Um, and so yeah. th- then verse two is kind of about where that's gone wrong in pop culture. And one of the things is, I, I looked at that second Star Wars film, and I know disliking that film became kind of associated with online trolls and whatever but i think it's an extremely poorly made film and i think there's stuff in it that doesn't fit with star wars and doesn't fit with it what it's about i think it's very sort of pro-authoritarian um you have a volunteer army where the top military commanders are taking everybody to their death and refusing to talk even tell you know their top commander
0: remind me is this the empire of the rebels this is
2: this these are the rebels. These are the good guys. Uh-huh. Um, all the so so these are the good military commanders. It's Leia and Holdo, and they're refusing to tell Poe any information
0: in it's episode the, two. This is Or you're talking episode eight. This is eight. Blast I Shutter. see. Okay, okay, okay. I see where you're going. I thought you were talking about episode two for some reason.
2: And so the lesson that he has to learn is that you always obey orders no matter what and never question them, which doesn't fit with like who Leia was. Leia would have questioned those orders, young Leia. Um, so it was, it was stuff like that where characters didn't match up, values didn't match up. You know, there's there's a scene at the end where Rose tells like stops Finn from saving everyone, and then tells him that like they're she selfishly did that because she wants to save what she loved. Well, that's what caused anakin to go to the dark side just all that stuff and then and then kind of what they did to luke um, saving
0: someone yeah trying to save someone at any cost can lead you to the dark side correct like to destroy death
2: yeah you basically do it for selfish reasons um and they took like they took all the everything that was good and a good value in the original trilogy is suddenly in the last jedi a bad a bad value and it's very nihilist and um, authoritarian and um, I don't know. I So I, ta- I talked about that. I talked about Zack Snyder and his sort of objectivist um, take on Superman where Superman is suddenly selfish, where he's he took an icon of altruism and turned him into a objectivist jerk.
0: Spoiler alert, but like the idea that there's hope at the end of episode nine, a new one you might say. A newer one.
2: I did see the end of, I did see episode nine this week and I just don't even know if I could care. It was so (laughs) cartoon. The last Jedi. So, so here's what I've always pictured on the last Jedi, right? Okay. Ryan Johnson's the director. And I just imagine the, the only way I think you could make that movie is if I think in 1983, his, I assume he has his mom remarried and he had a new dad and three older brothers.
0: Did this, this has happened to the director?
2: I, I honestly believe that this is the only way this had to have happened. Okay. Did it? I don't know. But this had to have happened for him to make that movie. So here's what happened it's uh, right before uh, Empire Strikes Back comes out. Okay. Ryan Johnson is in his stepdad's home. His mom has remarried. He has three stepbrothers. They're all older. And he's so excited to go see uh,
0: Empire Strikes Back because who wouldn't be? Right. His, the greatest sequel of all time you would some might say probably yeah so he his dad goes out
2: with the three brothers they go see it they don't take him because why would they he's the stepbrother. and then they come home and they tell him that uh vader is luke's father okay and he's heartbroken wouldn't he? i mean and he waits 30 years to take his revenge out and just (laughs) ruins the character of Luke Skywalker, not just for them, but for every single... In what way, specifically? Um, Well, I mean, so the entire point of the original trilogy, right, Uh is that the Jedi failed. Why did the Jedi fail?
0: The Jedi Order failed. Because the Empire was able to outsmart them and because it's stronger, right? And because they're disorganized. And basically hubris. like the democratic (laughs) party. They, well, they... i they, they cut all <laughs> no, no. emotion no, out no. of their
2: order and they were... They had all this hubris about who could be a Jedi and... Oh, um, they, they were, were gatekeeping. Just, they were gatekeeping. They were overconfident and it blinded them to Anakin who... Anakin basically needed some mental health. So this is the
0: 2016 election you're talking about also. There's elements
2: of that in there too. Right. So um, Anakin... Ooh,
0: political Star Wars.
2: <laughs> that's one of the best parts about it. I mean, the... Right. So... So you've got the Jedi order, right, which mm-hmm. fails because they they aren't able to help Anakin. They aren't able to it's it's almost like give him that mental health, the psychology type stuff. Anakin wanted friends and family and emotion and they said no, that's bad and they lost him to the dark side because they wouldn't give him any help.
0: But did he explicitly say I want to bring my mom back and they're like you can't, she's gone. He didn't able to conf- he wasn't able to admit his his deep like biggest thing and his ki- biggest desire. And it was kind of like slate of hand that, that uh, they encouraged him to kill those little young Jedi. Right. Like they, they tricked him. Yeah. Darth Sidious tricked him, but he could have been more clear and they'd be like, sorry, your mom can't come back, but maybe through the force you can talk to her ghost. Like in episode, whatever, um, princess Leia has memories of Amidala and Anakin. Right. But those are because she can connect with the force. So maybe, maybe if he's able to be more in touch with his emotions. So you're saying the Jedi's austerity is what led him down the path of darkness. And that was, you're saying hubris because they were not communicating clearly.
2: Yeah, I think there's an allegory there to like the Catholic church, right? Or some of these- Or toxic masculinity. Yeah, and these real life, like, this. so, so they're a religious order. So there's, there's a, an allegory there to the problems you see from a restrictive religious order. And what comes out of that in the Catholic church, it's that they have problems with sexual abuse. Right. Um, in the Jedi order, it was that like Anakin didn't have anybody to help him deal with his emotions and whatever. So they ended up basically allowing like space Hitler to come to power. That's how the prequels end because of this. So in the original trilogy, Luke's journey is basically, he of course doesn't go the way of the dark side, right? Right. They. The Emperor tries to say, hey, strike me down with your hate, strike me down with your fear or whatever. But the other thing is that I think people miss with the original trilogy is that Luke was also rejected the teachings of the Jedi Order. If you watch Empire, there's a scene where Obi-Wan and Yoda basically beg Luke. They're like, look, don't go help your friends. Don't go do this. Stay here and train. The only way to do it is to cut all emotional tie with everything because that's how we do it. And that's how you, they're like, that's how you win. Don't go help your friends. And Luke's like, nah, he's like, the di- the, there's, there's an in-between place where I can have
0: emotion. The middle I way, can, Siddhartha.
2: Exactly. Right. Where I can have emotion and I can have friendships and connection, but I can also still have this religious whatever.
0: And then. So wait, so are you saying that the empire is all about friendships and connections and, emo- and emotion? Well, the darks, so the
2: Jedi thought that the Sith were basically this, like, that's where you had all your crazy emotions and your anger and all that stuff. This
0: Bacchanalian, like, id, and then the uh, Jedi, the superego. Correct. Right. Luke was kind of like, hey, you need a little bit of
2: both, but, and and so the way he wins is basically he loves his friends, he loves his father so much that he lays down his weapon. He's like, you know what? I I can't take down my dad but I love him and he doesn't forego that attachment. Right. He leans on love and that's
0: where they win. So And so Vader but Vader dies because, saving him. Right, right,
2: right. And so my problem
0: with the Save last Luke.
2: My problem with Luke in the last Jedi okay. and this comes back to like uh where I talk about it in the song is that Luke looks at his nephew who is lost and luke sees that there's a danger his nephew might go dark and he just tries to kill his nephew in his sleep the guy who wouldn't give up on his friends who did it despite his mentors telling him don't go help your friends and have an attachment Mm. and he just tries to kill his nephew and then gives up and runs away that's not the same character there's no way that it's 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 fundamental to who he is so so i talked about that and then the third verse of the song talks about kind of all the other toxic stuff Remind that's come out of
0: nerdery. Remind me who Luke's nephew is. Luke's nephew is Ky- uh, Kylo Ren, Ben Solo. Because it's Leia's son, right? Correct. Right. So he wants to kill. So wait, he kills Kylo Ren? And we're doing mad spoilers.
2: Yeah. If you haven't seen The Last Jedi, don't listen to this point. Um, he tries to kill Kylo Ren in his sleep and then stops. He tries to take a lightsaber to
0: him in last Jedi in the last Jedi. And it's like, it's like in um, Hamlet, he can't kill. I think it's what he can't kill Claudius when he's praying because that's like forbidden and that he should have done it. So if, so you're better at Shakespeare than me. (laughs) Well, it's all very much the same things. That's interesting, man. So wait, so you're saying Luke couldn't kill him. He couldn't, but it ended up. That's true to his character because he,
2: yeah, but he, he would first. never have gotten to that point because he would have worked through it and then he never would have run away and let his nephew become Space Hitler again and undo everything he had fought for. There's,
0: he, but that's Lu- Luke's tragic flaw is his loyalty. So, yeah, so he would friends and family.
2: Correct, and so he wouldn't have run away and just lived on an island as a hermit. He would have stopped the monster he created or at least worked to do so. I see.
0: Well, but there's also the thing about Luke's character arc is like, as we get older, we become more safe and conservative and walled off. So I felt like him being isolated on this island with these, what are they called? The quarks? The The porgs. The porgs. Which was a short-lived merch. I I could have
2: believed it if they, you know, explained that in some way. Like, that's that's like um, Ace Ventura is now a quiet librarian and he... Uh, you know, doesn't gyrate or say crazy catchphrases, right? And it's 30 years later, and you're just supposed to, like, without any explanation, believe that What gets
0: Luke on the island?
2: uh, It's because he tried to murder Kylo Ren, and then Kylo Ren woke up in his sleep and got really pissed and killed all of Luke's students. And so Luke just says, you know what? I'm just going to let it – I'm just going to walk away from
0: everything. I see. So you're saying that Luke's – it's not indicative of his character because – Not remotely.
2: So far off that you need to give me something to explain it. And I actually think there were ways to do it. Um, You know, Han never liked the Jedi religion. He could have said, hey, I don't want you to train my kid. I don't want you to train my kid. And then the kid goes bad and Luke feels terrible because it breaks
0: up Han and Leia's marriage. Did Han – oh. Did Han say, don't train my son?
2: No, but that would have fit because he thought it was a hokey religion in the original trilogy, so it would have been true to Han's character.
0: But it, uh, but, does, but he reveals to Han that he's Han's son in Force Awakens, right? Correct. And then you know what happens next. No. I can't Actually, say. that was revealed to me before I saw the movie. I was so mad. Yeah, you told me that.
2: Um, uh, so anyway, so in the third verse of Nerdvana, right. I kind of switched to talking to more about like, some of the dark other things that's happened with nerd stuff where you get into like Russia hacking the election or Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg and sort of like, Hey, we won, but oh my God, why are all our heroes, right, The guys that rose to the top, why are they all, you know, like libertarian psycho, psycho or sociopaths like Zuckerberg? Um,
0: right, right. You know, right, just right. doing
2: these, like, like, why does that guy need another billion dollars so much that he's willing to sell our private data to Russia to hack our election? Do, like, don't you have enough? You were a, you were like a millennial Obama kid. What happened
0: to you? Yeah, well, it's Vader esque. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like this idea that pa- our mortality and our finite capacities as bags of flesh and wind. To have that be um, kind of obviated and and avoided through like power, money, yes, love, whatever, not love, maybe lust, all this stuff is so like enticing and especially as we get older. And that's like the the um you know, that's like the whole that's the that's the common tragedy. And you see that in like, yeah. companies like Facebook. So I feel like we should play nerdvana not Greedo Shot first, which y'all should look up. But this is good topics, because I think people need to hear. It sounds like you're dropping some real knowledge through your comedy nerdy rap project.
2: That song was kind of my thesis for where I wanted to go next with Nerdcore, maybe. Where this sense that, like, okay, let's discuss how to win. Like, we're the dominant culture. We've got all this other stuff coming. Like, so what should it be? Like, what should our ideals be? Because I think we we don't have that now and so i i sort of think that i would like to see nerdcore sort of like project this like what does it mean to be like a nerd or like a good nerd going
0: forward cuz there's some real bad ones have you heard frontlet's <laughs> new ep
2: no i uh i don't know
0: newest it's called um Net split. i guess it's like 3 years old now yeah but i did he has this on bad nerd which is kind of the, yeah the, the, about what you're talking about similar theme don't be a bad nerd. Be a good nerd. Yeah, like be a white
2: hat, not a black hat.
0: That's what's up. Um, what were some of your memories of the best Nerdapaloozas? And can you talk to about Chozo and Hex <laughs> Carter and all that stuff just briefly for people? Because this is always a topic of folklore on this podcast. Yeah. and You were there.
2: I was there, I think, the first one. I have a, a framed uh, poster. Who were some a, of the
0: acts? Um, Whitey Cracker. Ooh, Podcast uh, guest? Former podcast, former podcast guest. Major? Former podcast
2: guest. That's funny. There was some drama there with uh, our
0: sets. What happened? Um, so I wanted to do. Major's tight, by the way. I did a song with him called Rule. Okay. Remix. Um, go ahead.
2: <laughs> he So we ha- he was supposed to go after me. Okay. And I went up to him at the show and I, Bryce's flight was late. And Bryce and I were going to perform Geek Squad, I think, one of our tracks that we did together. And Bryce was 10 minutes out. My f- set time was five minutes out. And I kind of said, hey, Major, would you switch with me? And man, he freaked out.
0: <laughs> he wasn't trying to. Well, because why? Because it would have been less people later?
2: I don't know. Maybe. I, I just didn't think it was. I didn't think we were. Either what of happened? us were anything. But he was like. He's like, I guess I could do it, but man, like you're really screwing my my set time. I'm like we don't have to do it. And he's like, No, we can do it. And and then we agreed to do it, and we got set up to do it. And then I think he gave me like some real shit for it um, after that.
0: But I'm sure I'm sure it was. No, uh, it was
2: fine. But it, just at the time, it, it
0: where felt was it like, at the hotel in Orlando? Oh,
2: was it the some like cafe thing?
0: Oh gosh! And then that was
2: 2006, seven, something like that. I these people, this couple came up to me and they said. He said, "We flew all the way from Arizona to see you at this." And I said, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" <laughs> you said that to them, <laughs> literally. Literally, that
0: um, they found you through MySpace or something.
2: Yeah, and I, I mean, it was such a flattering thing, but I think that's the first time something like that happened.
0: Mm-hmm. Where
2: I went, you spent however my two plane tickets five seven hundred dollars on plane tickets and hotels and bought tickets to this festival because it was the closest i had ever been to you and i was the act that you were dying to see like that is one of my like top five probably like moments
0: of. that's dope man just cool fan love
2: yeah just just grateful for this thing that you stupidly started putting on the internet
0: and you know i this tour has been interesting like this baby Yoda tour with Schaefer and double clicks because it's realizing that the Nerdcore fans are truly special because, and I'm sure you recognize this when you play shows. The cool thing about Nerdcore is that the barrier between stage and audience is is taken away, right? That's yeah. it's that's punk rock in a way, that's like hip-hop in its collaborative essence. And I think people are drawn to that in this world of curated media, corporate control. The goal is to reach the fans and have them feel connected and a small show, a small festival like nerdapalooza was ill in that way because it brought us all together. It let us hang out. But then they tried to grow it way too fast and it, and it, and it it exploded. They tried to book, they might be giants and they blew their budget and lawsuits. And it was just like a nightmare. And it was like, I think if they hadn't done that, it would still be going. What do you think?
2: Isn't that kind of like a metaphor for what happened to a lot of us in that? Like, 2007 to 2009 where we got some attention and we all thought like this is it we're gonna be you know we had two documentaries t-pain. like yeah we're at comic-con wrapping on a boxing ring um
0: you're wearing my shirt in that video i was <laughs> thank I was. you Garby. i always rep you man because you always give me free shirts that's what's up. <laughs> hey you're in the t-shirt business that's what's up <laughs> um there was a lot of infighting and i think that has gone away and now it's more about the content the stories um
2: they they were really mad at me um who's they the the i think hex carter and some of the guys who's uh was it robo no not robo rob but rob what's his name Tobias. rob tobias uh yeah yeah so they like sprung for hotel rooms and so i stayed at the hotel room with my buddy chris and my girlfriend kelly and we had we were very good to the room but they had just sort of like, they had checked people into rooms, but then they had just mixed up the key cards. So you didn't necessarily get the room you were checked into. Well, somebody watched like a bunch of uh, pay-per-view porn and trashed the room that they had sort of like Do put under me. Do you know who this was? Me. I have my suspicions,
0: but who? no. Let's go. Who? I mean,
2: who were the big partiers down there? I I've, Cracker? I've, sus- I've, I've suspected Bryce. I don't know for sure.
0: Okay. And then you had to pay for it?
2: Well, so they... After we checked out, they called me up and they were like, Hey, like, we paid you a little bit of money and we paid for your hotel room. Like, and you trashed it and ordered all this porn. And I was like, no, I didn't. And they were like, yes, you did. And I'm like, no, I didn't. You, you guys messed up the keys or something, you know, whatever it
0: was. You single-handedly bankrupted Nerdapalooza, Ben. So
2: they, I think they blacklisted me for the next couple of years because it wasn't until different people came over, came up that they, they took control of it, that they booked me again.
0: But well, Chozo always really liked you. Yeah, Chozo,
2: but he he got more control, I think, like two or three years later because we didn't get booked again for another two or three years. And then we did the last couple.
0: Yeah. Um, it was, I mean, guys some great, great hangs, great collaborations. And, uh, yeah, I wonder if anything like that will ever return. I don't know. I mean, it's, I think, the South by Southwest thing they do with the Nerdcore. That's very core. cool. I've and always
2: wanted to play that. I never get picked, but.
0: Ask, you should talk to Frontalot. He's booking it. Is he? Yeah. Oh, I would love to do it. This Any year. Nerdcore rapper who wants to be on South by Southwest, email MC Frontalot or tweet him because he definitely wants to hear from me. <laughs> no no but hit him up he's in charge of booking it now okay cool yeah Yeah. i would
2: love to i would love to do that
0: that's what's up and then Uh um pax the paxes and then magfest and then that defcon I've never done defcon i did it 2009
2: those guys party
0: they party and it will hack your phone great and destroy your life oh man um ben garby so let's plug where can these wonderful amazing nerdcore fans find your music and uh Oh, and oh, the Revenge of the Nerds, that's a great video too. I love that. That's your most played song with Beefy You and Me.
2: That is, yeah.
0: On the former Fab I love that song. That song's ill. And that video's good. And the kid who plays you is good.
2: I love it. Um, I guess one other thing that I did recently that that sort of took me out of my comfort zone a lot is I released a book of poetry. So it's... How did I not know this? I just released it on Tuesday? Congratulations. No, I released it on Valentine's. Well... I didn't know if it was going to come out on Valentine's Day, but I Amazon got it out on that day.
0: So what is it? A digital or what?
2: It's it's just on Kindle. It's called um, An Enviable Instagram is the title
0: of That's the tight. book. An Enviable Instagram. Yeah, if you well, here, let's look it up. That's awesome.
2: It's uh it's by it's by my name, Benjamin Garby. It's not I meant to do it under a dinosaur, but they kind of made that hard to work as a pseudonym, so I write the poems as a dinosaur, but that's, it's listed on. the And so this name.
0: is a book, poetry book? Okay, check that out.
2: Yeah, so I, do you mind if I read the title poem? Please do. So it's called An Enviable Instagram. And it goes, uh, your life is beautiful, your life is perfect. Your life is everything that mine isn't. You have the things I wish I did. Things, lovers, family, friends. You have all the hearts, but you're always sad. And that I don't understand. Because I would trade my boring days, my Netflix nights, trade my entire life to have your likes. You see, I don't understand how you can be so sad when you have what we all want to have, an enviable Instagram. Mm. So, I don't know. It's, it's like poem, little man. poems and lyric pieces that I couldn't turn into an actual song and that type of stuff. And then some lyrics to songs that either never got finished or um, are just kind of like long form poems anyway.
0: That's cool because you are in the business of image curation and video editing and you create this reality and we all create this reality together and it's special to have friends across the country you know you were at my wedding we've been friends for years i I love when i get to see you you're always so that's the cool part of
2: it right the scary part is when you have like that that sadness that comes from looking and like being Not like, hey, there's Lars, and I wish I was there with him doing this thing, and it's cool that I get to see these doing it. But then you get this like envy, or this like, is my life as good as their
0: life? So, I think your life's pretty amazing, man. I love my life. You're a baller, (laughs) and you you do. You're a good host. You have a good heart, and you give a lot to the community. And you're yeah, you're a good guy, and you're also wise, and you care. And I think you're talented. But anyway, whatever. Enough compliments. Well, I think
2: I, I learned a lot about that from you. Hey. No, I I, I I would like to pay you a compliment because I think one of the things that you taught me when I first hit you up on, I know you said you met me on MySpace, but I definitely hunted you down after the uh, CD single came to the radio station. That's and right. you were so nice. And when I eventually met you um, and you like agreed to do songs with me and stuff like that, you just kind of you didn't have any of the attitude you didn't have any of the gatekeeping you were just like hey you want to make music like me i want to be friends with you i want to do it with you and i can be a little bit of a jerk sometimes and be like oh that guy sucks or whatever and i sort of learned that like no that guy sucks right now right. But if you encourage that if you encourage those people if you show love that and, and you're inclusive and you're like the most inclusive, you're inclusive to the, <laughs> it's just obnoxious, but it's, but it was a great like lesson for me to learn in terms of how to sort of succeed at least a little bit in this.
0: Well, you're a great um, collaborator. You, um, you've worked with a lot of people. And I think you, what's great of, thanks for that compliment, by the way. That means a lot. Thank you. Um, your stuff always sounds good, it's mixed well. You don't put out badly recorded music. And that's, important. I obsess
2: about that probably too much. That's why it takes too long.
0: Well, I don't know, there's a, that's why your work stands the test of time. Well, thank you. Um, and uh, <laughs> there's a funny story about we played Chicago, you opened, or some s- s- small town outside of Chicago in front of the, on stage, goes, all right, after party, and gave your address. It's the Abbey Pub in Chicago. Okay. And then it just, everyone from the show showed up at your house, and you were a good sport. We went we went hard all night. I
2: give my roommates a lot of more credit for that, because people didn't leave for days. <laughs> <laughs> i still don't know i mean he he just
0: shouted out the address for uh, right. one
2: time i don't i don't know how people
0: remembered it well i think he was, he i saw it Mer, the merch with writing the address down for oh people. he okay so there was more to it so that house man a lot of parties at that house and it was always a hub for touring
2: thank god for the great recession in 2008 killing the real estate market because we 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 had this um for those who didn't come party at this house, we were able to rent this brand new, like 4,000 square foot house with an unfinished basement and like three car garage as a bunch of 20 something idiots straight out of college. We paid 500 bucks a person, had five bedrooms, four full baths, and
0: we just let whoever come crash there. Was it was a nice house. Then what happened? Eventually, you were the last one there.
2: I was the last one there. Um, the guy kept lowering the rent for me, and then um he was just waiting for the real estate market to kind of like come back. And he and sold it. He ended up selling it, but he built it I think for, you know, 800,000, 900,000 or something like that and it ended up selling it for like 400 the but, oh, the cookie cutter version of really? the house. Really? Yeah, that he built two on spec and his plan was to change this whole neighborhood and uh the cookie cutter version of the house next to us the family just said we're so far underwater on our mortgage we're just going to let it foreclose and it went for like three hundred thousand in in fore- foreclosure which
0: ouch that's crazy i, I, I wish
2: th- i'd figured out a way to buy it because now that now it's gone way back up to like almost a million
0: wow i mean it was it was the first time having a friend a musician friend on tour who had like not just a house a bomb house <laughs> that we could all stay in comfortably in <laughs> a basement where stuff was recorded and yeah videos well, were made and when well,
2: everybody who ever lived there when they would move out they would it was all just like junky college furniture, but I they'd be like, I don't want my bed anymore. I'd be like, just leave it. People will come and stay.
0: Yeah, it's kind of cool, man. Do you still have the Roger Rabbit things I left? I do. They're on my. Uh,
2: they're on my shelf. They are. Over there. Yeah. That was here and Jessica. Yeah.
0: That's what's up. That's awesome. It was like a way of, um, yeah. We'd all leave little pieces of our lives there, and it's cool coming to your apartment now and seeing photos from the video shoot and our trips to Disney World and. Thank you note on the fridge. We've I'm, had a weird amount of adventures over know.
2: a decade of doing. Or tw- more than a decade. What? 13 15 years, years probably. When did
0: we meet? 2006. So almost 14 <laughs> years. So for not having lived in the same town. Never. Yeah. But yeah, I remember I saw you in LA that one time when you rented that bomb car. <laughs> That's I don't crazy. Know. Yeah. That's what's up. Um, where can people follow you? Where's your primary social media destination? Holler.
2: Uh, I think I use Instagram the most. Uh, you can follow me. The official account is either former at former fat boys or I have my personal, which is at I wish I were a dinosaur. And then there's the for the other musical project, it's I wish you were a dinosaur is the so, official.
0: So wait, so former fat boys is on Instagram and then I wish I were a dinosaur. What's the one you posted like we went to see Sonic tonight?
2: Uh, I wish I were a dinosaur. That's okay. And I'm following that. Yeah.
0: Um, Sonic was good, right?
2: I like Sonic. I thought, honestly, I, it was the most fun. I, I saw Sonic for the first time and The Rise of Skywalker and if you told 14-year-old me that the Sonic movie would be way better than the Star Wars movie, I would have punched you in the face, but it was.
0: <laughs> like Dr. Robotnik. I thought it was amazing. I, I, I We walked out of there and I go, that was phenomenal. And Shaver goes, phenomenal, well. But it was
2: pretty. I don't
0: think Shaver was on our like mind level on it because we were enjoying. <laughs> we were loud. Yeah. And we were probably a little obnoxious, but for a... Well, you had
2: a a large deep dish pizza with you. We snuck in a whole pizza (laughs) into the. Yeah.
0: And the $8 sodas.
2: Yeah, just a pizza party at Sonic.
0: It was tight. Um, Ben Garby, thank you. We'll play Nerdvana from the former Fat Boys album. Nerdvana, is your stuff on Bandcamp too?
2: uh the latest album is not on Bandcamp, but thank you for reminding
0: me to put it on there that's what's up well be sure to follow former fat boys and check out our collabs revenge of the nerds and uh the song uh we have arrived and eating pizza hunting for ghosts with richie branson. that's my
2: favorite one with richie branson richie was so cool to do that and um that's oh, reading up. rainbow we done that one too
0: jeez we did like seven six songs yeah what's this i wish you a merry christmas 2.0 no i don't do that one what is this? It's just my old Christmas album. One of your most played songs is this Joker thing.
2: Yeah, every Christmas, I so I, I was the a first, lot of plays, dude. I was the first person to put a song up where the Joker sings "Jingle Bells." Batman smells. Robin laid an egg, and so every Christmas the YouTube video has like six hundred thousand views, and it starts blowing up my inbox again. Same and thing. It's on you Spotify. doing the
0: joke? So featuring the Joker, it's not actually a Joker.
2: Yeah, so I kind of do like a Mark, a bad Mark Hamill esque. Joker.
0: <laughs> What's Rooster Doodle Do?
2: rooster uh, rooster Doodle do so one weekend I realized that people were buying ringtones a lot on the iTunes store. So it's the most money I've ever made off a record. Um
0: <laughs> featuring just Timberlake. I
2: basically bought a bunch of beats from those beat sellers that you could find on MySpace and whatever. <laughs> really cheap ones.
0: that I, I can rip ass for a whole
2: song? So I got in the booth and I said, <laughs> I'm gonna record a hundred. Ringtones in the afternoon. You said you made like five grand off it. I yeah, five ten grand somewhere in there, (laughs) just selling ringtones. And I gave them all names that were somewhat similar to popular songs at the time. So there's like, (laughs) I'm on a boat with T Pain. um, Is the title of a song. And I didn't (laughs) let you preview this popcorn makes you pregnant eat it popcorn makes you pregnant eat it popcorn makes you. that's it that's the ringtone it's just go- officer i'm the. <laughs> you can't
0: pull me officer did you say so you do all these 2000s i did it references. in four
2: hours i mixed it in another two hours i put it on itunes i made ten thousand dollars
0: <laughs> you better wake up this is your
2: alarm this is your alarm. Na-na-na-na. There's a great rap about she Like There were a few songs where I freestyled on that, and they were amazing. Space Dinosaur is a freestyle. Maria Gonorrhea. I actually like still enjoy that one. Booger. Uh, you got that booger hanging out. Booger hanging out is low key. I've always wanted to redo that well, but it's just it's fantastic. So
0: <laughs> I'm on a boat. You got outro. that booger hanging the Team out. The Experience is one where you're stuck on a lonely island. <laughs> if I'm on a boat alone, the island. Okay. Well, we'll wrap it up. Um, Please check out this stuff. And Ben, thank you for being on the MC Lars podcast. I wanted to have you on for a long time.
2: Whoa, whoa! I thought this was Caller Daddy. What? This is the MC Lars podcast. I thought this was Caller Daddy. I don't want to What's be Caller Daddy. You don't, you don't know Caller Daddy? What's up with it? Oh, uh, it's it's basically like this relationship podcast. Run by two chicks at Barstool Sports, Uh, it's like pickup artist stuff, like Tucker Max mixed with the pickup artist stuff of the game that was sort of popular in 2005. But Mm -hmm. now it's for like millennial women. Um, But they're how
0: to pick up dudes.
2: It's yeah, like or how to like bust your dude on social media for cheating, or but then they also like. Uh, they also like teach guys how to gaslight girls. So they sort of do the reverse and like work against themselves. They're, they're they're hilarious. So gaslighting
0: is when you make someone feel like they're crazy. Yeah. And so they're like, so it's like what the president has done with our country. Yes,
2: (laughs) Yes, <laughs> except I only think there's like 30% that's buying it. The that's rest, good. That's and they were already gaslit at the beginning. They didn't need any
0: gaslighting. So he's just gaslighting. He's not call her daddy, but I just learned something. That's what's up. Yeah, so that's a
2: very popular podcast that's very different than this. And I thought that's what I was being booked on. But
0: I got to talk to my agent. Keep your eyes open for the Greedo Shop first video because Garby's put a lot into this. I you, have. For four or five years you've been working on it. Yeah, we recorded it in 2015, the video yeah no yeah 2016 because i remember i was renting oh 2016 matt yeah. milligan from weedus's apartment and i recorded it in the closet at his apartment when i first came back to new york wrap the saga in a bow bow Yes yeah, tight right you can play that song did i know. write that verse uh yeah or you wrote for me i
2: ghost wrote some of it i guess you <laughs> i think you wrote i would never in. have revealed that you wrote my verse though i didn't write all your verse part of it I, there there is stuff you wrote and there's stuff i wrote in there i sort of like took what you wrote and then changed it into
0: what i wanted it to be keeping it moving that's what's up um but the, when you did his
2: his this lesson for him going wrap the saga in a bow bow that's, that's one tough. of my favorite things in the world you did that that was was that my idea or yours yeah it was you
0: that's what's up um okay this is nerdvana former fat boys thank you ben thanks lars friends for life mm. later chuckles i'm crying
3: So this is it, huh? This is what we fought for, what our nerdcore grandfathers died for in Mordor. Spilled blood on the playground floor for, thought there'd be more, thought we'd ascend for sure. See, I'm just sitting here alone at half past four, Uh. writing beats for, well, I don't know who for, cause I don't think anyone's listening to me anymore. We're the dominant culture, we won the culture war, but we're the spoils of victory, cause I'm bored. And no one's on the Rhyme Torrance board anymore and these mainstream mumble rappers, every rapper abhors I writing songs about Gundams and Voltrons, of course Hey, that's our gimmick, give it back That's my culture, you said was whack Now Will Smith's kid has a Goku rap Then you use it in trap Why am I so mad? But what I'm supposed to rap about, they're wearing my backpack Know all the stuff that got me beat up for liking. Everyone gets likes for liking. And who am I to fight it? This is what we wanted, Kirk to be our captain A seat at the proverbial table, forking napkins A bunch of nerd, Aaron and burst Have you heard our nerdy words? Of course you have Now we run the rooms where it happens We run the barcades and boardrooms Employ the kids who were laughing But some's wrong, the force still ain't balanced Tell me, are we there yet? Have arrived? to cheap, but there's no more life ah. a marketing term remake the culture water it down and watch it all burn sell it to chinese teens under authoritarian regimes disney's not for kids it's a monopoly machine to the lowest denominator we bow the twilight crowd star wars was ours but it's transformers now and we're complicit because we pander to y'all guilty of writing lazy nerd reps because we hoped that they'd sell paint by numbers nostalgia from authentic voices convince ourselves we were given voices to the voices were we really Maybe at first, but I'm not sure. I could write another space song verse. Cause Luke is awful. Tried to kill his nephew in cold blood. Then ran away, returned to ghost and taunted his godson. And Clark Kent went Ayn ran Superman. Are we all nihilist, objectivist jerks in the end? I, I, it's an arcane, all we're selling now is smart. fire and first order of business built the same old empire best of intentions internet inventions social media smartphones nirvana is the senate. a senate but leave a back door for uncle sam no privacy protections every user's a dollar sign ethics are useless conventions track every movement click friend conversation sell that data to anyone or any hostile nation we built a future so dangerous A connected, siloed, spying, bullying apparatus Drop the dopey so we could just be evil Libertarian, authoritarian, enemies of the people Our robots ain't R2, they're not your friends They wear black tees and plain jeans and get called in front of Congress We were supposed to be smarter Dying for a cause is harder than selling out Nirvana won't exist without some martyrs
0: Great song, Nerdvana by former Fat Boys. And that is from the album Nerdvana. Ben, good talking to you. Great interview. Next week, we have Kay Murdoch, aka Kyle Murdoch, aka one of Mega Rand's favorite collaborators, aka amazing DJ teacher producer, and friend. So tune in to that. I've got my Age of Ultron song dropping on Patreon next week. Still doing the live streams, the freestyles, the literary lessons. And of course, check out the show Friday, uh, the Stage It show, which again, is this Friday and it's going to be at 3 p.m. Eastern noon West Coast time. We'll see you then. And thank you again. I love you all. Hope you're safe. Hope you're doing okay. Stay positive. It's going to be okay. Thanks everyone. Bye.